I got a question. Mm-hmm. How many are putting into practice what Pastor Mamie was teaching last week? Oh, boy. Yeah. Like, what did she teach last week? What did she teach last week? <laughs> I actually know. A long know. time ago, a week ago. <laughs> it kind of dovetails well, with what Pastor Ben taught, too, about fear. Yeah. And Some, so if you're, you're putting these things into practice, not just a hearer only, but you're putting these things into practice and you're catching yourself when you made a mistake or you fell into the old pattern. If you catch yourself doing that, you're becoming a disciple. That's what God wants you to be, a disciple, but not stop there, but a disciple who makes a disciple. There are so many people that are hurting out there, but you and I have the answer. (laughs) I mean, oh my gosh, just let that flow out of your heart. Let that flow out of your heart. Everybody say this, I'm a disciple. disciple. I am a disciple. I'm a disciple. And I'm making Jesus happy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Well, we are talking, we're building really upon a little bit of what we talked about last week. This will dovetail into Mm -hmm. the same idea um, about contentment. Don't you like the Charlie Brown picture? (laughs) Makes uh, makes you laugh and feel good. We want to talk to you about the importance of contentment because a contented heart uh, has thankfulness at the root of it. Yes has some gratefulness going on in there. And this is really what God desires of us. He says, in all things, be thankful. And so we want to talk today about contentment, but let's just begin with prayer and invite the Holy Spirit um, into into our minds and our hearts. Holy Spirit, we know that you are here with us. We've been worshiping you, Father God, and Jesus, and the Spirit, and in spirit and in truth. And so we dedicate this time to you. We set aside the other thoughts of our mind, and we open up our heart to hear from you, Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that as Pastor Steve and I talk, that we would decrease and that you, Lord, would increase in the the hearts and the ears of the people. Lord, that we would not be just the hearers and and forget, but we would be doers, Lord, because your desire for us is to be blessed. And so we dedicate this time to you, and we thank you for the good that will come from it. Yes. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. And so who better? We're talking about contentment. You might, not, you, you might first think of the Apostle Paul, but we're going to bring up Solomon from the Old Testament. He is a very good teacher to show us about this problem or this issue or this need for contentment. <laughs> uh, Solomon was King David's son. All right, he was heir to the throne after King David died. Solomon took the throne, became king, and he was known for building uh, the most lavish, beautiful palace uh, and worship temple mm-hmm. that Israel has ever seen. Uh, it was, you know, palatial, grand, opulent in every sense of the word. It, we looked it up online and said, what would, what would it take to build King Solomon's temple today, and it said it would take about a trillion dollars. And if you don't know, it's hard to, well, a trillion, how much is that? Well, that's I got a, it right th- in my wallet. That's a, th- <laughs> <laughs> a trillion is equal to 1,000 billion. So you think about the people that we know today are billionaires, or maybe some are multi-billionaires, but it would take 1,000 billions to make one trillion and so we, uh, we can just imagine what you can do and have if you had access to that much money. And this was King Solomon, okay? Yes. Yet before he built that incredible temple, 
he, and when, and he was ready to assume the throne of Israel and begin that reign, God asked him what he wanted. And his right. prayer back to God, his answer back to God was to give me wisdom. He said, I need wisdom because I'm basically immature. I'm young in all these things. I need help to rule wisely over all of your people, Lord. Yes. And the Lord was pleased with that answer. He already had a lot of wealth. He already had a lot of power. He wasn't saying, give me more of that. He said, give me wisdom. And so God gave him wisdom. He became the wisest king ever in the history of Israel. Right. He penned much of Proverbs. He wrote the Song of Solomon. I mean, because of his wisdom that God gave him, he understood. If you will read the book of Ecclesiastes, very interesting book. I would encourage you to read. It's just 12 chapters. Uh, but it was like he was a botanist. He understood plant life. He was like a zoologist. He understood animals. He was an architect. He built these incredible right. uh, things. He was a poet. He was a philosopher, like all wrapped up into one. Very wise man. So he took the wisdom of God and he built these vast projects. If you, when you read the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, besides for the temple of God to worship in, which took seven years to build, and again, it was overlaid with gold, it had marble, right. it had precious stones, it had cedars, it, it had, I mean, even silver, they said in that day, was worth nothing. It was like common pebbles because gold was used so much and he had so much gold. But he, he, he built beautiful vineyards and orchards and had uh, parks and gardens and had, knew, knew how to build reservoirs so that water would run into all of it and plant groves of fruit trees and forests. And, yes. Uh, he had tens of thousands of skilled workers and laborers, 50,000 horses and chariots. I mean, I think, where did you put all this stuff and who took care of it? <laughs> yeah, this is why he said that he had like 70,000 laborers, right. skilled workers to take care and do all these things. 700 wives. That was his mistake. Amen. Um, <laughs> you know that's true. <laughs> people say one wife is hard enough, let alone 700 and concubines. I thought you said he was the wisest. Well, <laughs> as the book of Ecclesiastes, you find out he discovered it was not so wise. <laughs> but he pursued any and all pleasure. Yep. Whatever his eyes or his heart saw that he desired, he took. And this was a man who achieved you could say just about everything. He experienced life in an immense way, beyond what many of us could ever think of doing. See, he, King Solomon was a man who had everything, tried everything, <laughs> had wisdom to build almost yeah. anything and everything that he would want and the money to do it. And yet, right. when you read the book of Ecclesiastes, there was one thing that was still missing from his life at the end of his life. And that was this deep inner contentment. Right. That was the one thing missing that... You know, he, he went after better things, nicer things, better circumstances, more stuff, more wisdom, more knowledge. That in the end, he said all this striving for more, experiencing more pleasure. In the end, he found it was like chasing after the wind. It was fleeting. Right. He could not find contentment in all of it. And so in, in Ecclesiastes, Solomon is writing as an old man. And he's really writing to us, uh, looking back on his life, and he's sharing his wisdom from his mistakes. He's saying, I've seen the whole circle of life, and this is what I've seen. And then in the end, the very last couple of 
and I won't tell you what he, well, we will get into what he says at the very end because the wisdom of God comes out at the very end. Yes. Because he says in all the pleasure, in all the excitement, and all the knowledge of these things, it was all fleeting to me. And he wrote, he said it was all vanity. It was like meaninglessness to right. him because it did not bring him the inner contentment that he was searching for. And so he found that although he had power and wealth, although he could indulge every whim because he had power and wealth, that inner peace that he was needing from God eluded him. Mm. And so Solomon's whole point in this book, though, isn't that you, you can't read that book and just go, well, what's he saying, that life is just meaningless? Because on the surface, you could read that into the book of Ecclesiastes. But he's not saying that exactly. He's mentoring us, I believe, on how to avoid that mistake, right. and the mistake that he made and everything he searched after, which became like a chasing after the wind. He's mentoring us on how to live a life of lasting joy in a world where things just don't last because he could take nothing of that with him. All that he had had to be left behind. Yeah, life is short. Yeah. The book of James, it says life is a vapor. And statistic has it, 100 out of 100 people die. You know, yeah, it, it's a death rate of 100%. And that's why a lot of people think that uh, the two witnesses come back in Revelation are Elijah and Enoch because they were taken up into yeah. glory. Yeah, they, did, they, yeah. they did not pass. They did not go like what we're going to do. Because the Bible in the book of Hebrews says it's appointed for man wants to die and then the judgment. And since life is short, it's, it is a vapor. The question is, uh, how do we get a sense of a, a, a really, in a sense, a lasting joy? How do we get this contentment? And how do we become so thankful for it in a world where nothing lasts? Let's face it. You know, we sing a song, strong nations rise, rise and then they fall. And Solomon sets out to answer this question. And that's what today's title is. It's <laughs> contentment, a continual feast. It's because Solomon is going to teach us as we investigate what he says, how to experience a feast without end in a world where everything ends. Every feast ends. And so let's pick it up in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. We're going to take a look at 18 through 20. Ecclesiastes is after Proverbs. It is uh, right before Song of Solomon, right before Isaiah. That might help you find it quicker. And uh, we'll take a look at verse 18, and it starts off this way. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is for one to eat and drink, to find enjoyment in all the labor in which he labors under the sun, all the days which God gives him, for this is his appointed lot. Also, the man in whom God has given riches, possessions, and the power to enjoy them and to accept his appointed lot and to rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God to him. For he will not often consider the years of his life because God keeps him occupied with the gladness of his heart. This is pretty clear right here. The God of the Bible this passage proves that he wants you and I to enjoy life. It's right here. 
The God of the Bible, he wants us to eat and drink and find enjoyment in our labor. And so you know what this means? It means that we can go back for seconds on Thanksgiving and feel guilt-free. <laughs> We've got biblical proof right here. Come on. Take a look at it. See, I, I, that's how I prove it to Mame. <laughs> But truly, the main thing that God is driving home here is, is through the wisdom of Solomon, the experience of contentment. Everybody say contentment. Contentment. Yes, say it again. Contentment. Contentment of the heart is the real and lasting feast. Yeah, yeah. I look at Proverbs 15, 15. If you have your Bible, turn there. Scripture. We do have it up on PowerPoint. But again, I would encourage you. Let's keep looking It's really to good Bible. to look yeah. these things up in your own Bible. True. Lay your own eyes on them. Somehow they go deeper inside of your own heart. You remember them better. Highlight them if it speaks to you hard. Proverbs, this mm -hmm. is verse, uh, chapter 15, verse 15. And we're reading here from the Amplified uh, Translation which says, all the days of the desponding and, and afflicted are made evil. Mm -hmm. How? Yeah. By anxious thoughts and forebodings. But he who has a glad heart has a continual feast. There we go. Regardless of circumstances. So what exactly is this saying to us? I believe it is saying that like the, an oppressive mindset, a negative mindset, dwelling on the negative that you see in your life. And we all have some negatives Amen. in our life, don't yes. we? You can sit all day long and pick apart the negatives, but we all also have good things going on in our life. Come on. We can pick out a lot of good things if we will just stop and think about it. But it says that to hear that dwelling on anxious thoughts, forebodings, you know what that is? Like dark forebodings. Like I'm looking forward to the future with, oh, this what if in mind. There's the darkness. It's like, oh, probably if something bad is going to happen, it probably will. Dark forebodings. Premonitions of the future that aren't good. What if, murmuring, complaining. All of that only is going to create more depression and anxiety inside of you. Is that true? We've all experienced it. We've all done it. It's made evil. There's evil that comes with that you're right. because you're building on it. I can drive myself into torment and despair by the way I respond to my circumstance. I could look at it yep. and just hone in on the negative, right? Just by my attitude, yeah. which I can choose. Amen. Amen. You, you can choose your attitude. Nobody's forcing an attitude on you. I can choose to look at things differently in the same circumstance and look for a blessing. Yes. Look for some way to be grateful. And I guarantee you, if you have the mind of Christ, he will remind you and show you something that you can be grateful for. Things could be worse Yeah. in that sense, right? Because it says here, uh, if I have a grateful heart, which is what it says, he who has a glad heart, mm -hmm. or some have translated that contented heart, I have a continual feast regardless of my circumstance. Regardless. A glad-hearted person, a person who's grateful, looking for something to be thankful for, becomes con content. Yes. Right? So often, again, I say that we think that our attitude is forced upon us. 
Well, I can't help it if my attitude's bad. Look at my circumstances. If you had my circumstances, you'd, you'd feel the way I do too. Well, maybe to a certain extent, but I could still turn the switch. Amen. And choose to look at it differently, no matter the circumstance. You know, I, if, something, if, if I want something to grow, I'm going to feed it. So if I, if I feed that grateful side, if I find little things, oh, thank you, God. Right. But I still have breath in my lungs. Yes. You know, my body's working. I can go out and I can help somebody and that can be a blessing to somebody. Thank you for that, Lord. I have something I can be thankful for. Amen. It's a choice. I can pray and look for things like that. Cast my care onto the yes. Lord. Yes. And then know that he's helping me and just say, thank you, Lord, that I'm not alone in this. Right. Right. So no matter where you are, no matter who you are, what you have or what you don't have, because I think this is often where we go, what I don't have. Remember mm. last week we said we always, there's negativity bias built into the human condition. <laughs> well, if we have the spirit of Christ on the inside of us and we renew our mind, we yes. can't think with the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. I mean, he's not going to take us to the negative. He's going to prompt us to go to who we are in him. And so when I consider that, just like what you were saying as we started out, if I consider what I've been given in Christ, that he's loved me unconditionally, he forgave my sin Sweet. out of his mercy and kindness when I didn't deserve it. I have a relationship now with him. I've been welcomed into his family. He's given you and me spiritual gifts to you so that I can Amen. be a blessing to other people. He's given me purpose. He's given me his wisdom. I can look inside here and understand and discern life. The guidance of the Holy Spirit, the hope of the resurrection, and eternal life with him in glory for the ages to come already. It, it ought to be putting a smile on your face, yes. right? Be like, <laughs> life isn't that bad. When you think that way, for a Christ follower, that attitude brings contentment. And it's like pulling up to a feast then. Yes. It's like, oh. This satisfies me. Hallelujah. Regardless of what's going on out here. Yeah. And the truth is in this, when we read this, when you read Ecclesiastes, Solomon is, is learned something in all of his experiences and all of his, his endeavors. He, he's, he's discovered that so many people are discontented. Even Christians. Have you noticed? <laughs> no. Turn on social media. Is there any discontent out there? Oh, oh my gosh. My. Hey, even in churches all over the world today that you have it. Every home, every restaurant, every bar, every stadium, every hospital health club, yeah. there's someone who's always thinking there, if I were like him, or if I were like her, if I were only stronger, if I were only taller, cuter, smarter, younger, healthier, wealthier, then, then. I'd be happy. <laughs> if only my parents were different. If only my children were different. <laughs> my job were, then I would be happy. Then I would be satisfied. <laughs> we live chasing this elusive then, <laughs> yeah. don't we? Yeah. And so often it doesn't come. It seems like we never catch up to it, you know. Yeah. We wake up each day. Tell me, you don't raise your hand. <laughs> we wake up in the morning. Then we survey ourselves. Our situation. We yes. look at our situation. We look at the days that are going to unfold before them. And then we say, nah, this isn't it. 
<laughs> we keep waiting for then. Because then I'll be happy. Then I will be satisfied. Yeah. <laughs> but it continually eludes us, doesn't yeah, it? That's right. It, it does. We keep striving after the wind. This is what Solomon discovered. He did. He says, when you're chasing after all this, it's meaningless. It's the meaningless way to live. The fact that we think this way, oh my gosh, it goes to show you that we need to uh, renew our mind. We need to, actually, we, what we need to do is, is to dig deeper in finding what contentment means. So what is it? What is contentment? What is it? Does it really even matter? I mean, it, but <laughs> the biggest question is, how do we get it? Yeah. <laughs> And this is really important for us to understand. It, let's define the term. I would say the majority of people think commitment is, is something that is... Contentment. Yeah. Contentment Commit. is something that's very <laughs> passive. Huh? Passive. It's, it's like you go back for seconds, you're done with seconds, and then somebody says, do you want any more? Uh, no, I'm content. You know, that's, that's a very passive way to look at it. It's passive. It's sitting back and doing nothing because we have this kind of false idea that contentment is, is a very passive thing where we, we're just like numb. Yeah, or you just don't, you just sit there and just tolerate, you don't do anything. Mm -hmm. Like we're talking to uh, someone recently who was feeling torn. I don't know what to do, like in a job situation. I want to find another job. You know, I want, to, I want to strive to serve Christ more, and yet, you know, maybe I should just be content with where I'm at and not, not push myself, you know. And so I'm torn. The person was just feeling torn between self-improvement or just be content, just be self-content with where you are. Like, do I need to push myself, or should I just say, hey, don't rock the boat and mm. uh, right where I'm at? And so there is this sometimes this tension. We think contentment is just, meh. Like that, like I'm so full, I can't do anything after Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm content. I'm going to try. You know? But Solomon, <laughs> it's not necessarily passive because he put it in an active yes. sense. Whenever we do read this verse 18, puts, puts uh, contentment, he says this, to find enjoyment in all the labor in which he labors under the sun. So there's a laboring yes. that God gives to us to do. Work is good. Yes, amen. <laughs> and it's to find enjoyment in that labor. Contentment isn't just found, I'm just going to veg out mm. passively in front of a screen somehow, the TV, eat junk food until I fall asleep, just trying to distract myself from labor, <laughs> the obvious <laughs> labor and toil of life. But it's finding enjoyment. What contentment is, is finding enjoyment in the labor that you have before you to do. Set before you. Set yeah. before you. The toil of everyday life. We all have to work, have jobs. You may not love your job, but you can find still enjoyment. And, well, I have a paycheck. And with this paycheck, I'm going to buy, you know, some food. We're going to have a nice meal around the table. I'm going to be thankful that I do have a table. I have food. I have family to enjoy it with. Yeah. We can find ways to find enjoyment with what we have. Contentment is not just passively sitting back. Right. It's, ta it's taking what you have and making the most of it, being grateful for it. Come on now. That's really good. 
You know, Paul in Philippians 4, 13, he didn't say, I can do, sit back and do nothing through Christ who strengthens me. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah. And what's he say? He's really saying, I can maximize the moment. I, I can make a lot, I can make it happen whether I have a lot or I have a little. Yeah. You know, our, our mindset needs to change. It, contentment is not passive, it is active and it is a matter of perspective, just like Pastor yeah. Mamie was talking about. You know, you can you could take a marriage, for example. I want our marriage to be better. You know, and then I'll be happy. Or we'll go back and take a look at this church. From the beginning, we rented McQuistian Elementary School. Did we want a, a building? Did we want a permanent place? Of course we did. We, we prayed for it. We, we were actively content where we we could have said we can't do any ministry because we're in a rented facility yeah if only we had a uh, building then, then we could yeah. and it was not the case you you had to be content right where you are you maximize what you have Absolutely. right in front of you you know we were active in that we were active in ministry and we took up a building fund Okay, this building took 13 years to, before it arrived. Yeah. But we didn't say in our hearts, when we get a building, then we could do ministry. Yeah. No, we put our hand to the plow. We were content, and we were very active. You don't want to confuse your dreams and your desires and do nothing about it because you're searching for contentment. No, you want to be active to achieve those dreams, those desires. And that is part of contentment. In verse 19, take a look. It says to accept your lot. Accept your lot. It, it, that doesn't mean, okay, well, I guess this is all I get. I guess I'm going to have to put up with it all. Uh, no, it, it's all right it, it, to maximize what you do yeah, have right now. All right. It's like saying, well, all right, if this is what I have, mm -hmm. how can I make the best of it? Yes. How can I make the best of and it and find joy in it. doing it? And, you know, I don't, how many of you have ever watched that TV show Chopped? Anybody know what Chopped? Nobody in here, one person. I <laughs> like it. You <laughs> must not be cooks. But Those people are going to cook for us in heaven. <laughs> Chopped is a, is a TV show that they bring out four contestants, they all have a background in cooking, and then they, they have to, they're all experienced, and they're all given a basket of ingredients, okay? They don't know what they are, the four contestants, they each give a basket, and they have three tries. They have to make something as an appetizer, the next round is, if they make it through, they have to make an entree, the last round is a dessert round. And then they don't know what's in that basket, but the trick part of it is it's crazy stuff in that basket. <laughs> stuff that you would never probably want to cook with. And yet they're going to be judged in front of judges to, to eat, to make something really good. And so they, they're like, okay, chefs, are you ready? You know, open your baskets and see what you've been given. And, you know, you watch them open these baskets. They all have the same thing. And the looks on their faces, they like pull out for an appetizer, a jar of plums, okay, ostrich meat like what 
you know, and then another one like carrot ketchup. What is this stuff? Oh boy! Or like cauliflower pork rinds. <laughs> you know, I'm serious. These are some of the ingredients that they're given. And then the guy's like, okay, you have 20 minutes to you know, make this <laughs> wonderful appetizer and be judged before the judges. And so I think to myself, you could look at that basket and go, what? This is crazy. What kind of choices are these? Yeah. Like, I can't make anything with this and just march out of the kitchen. But they don't. They take the challenge and they maximize yes. the crazy ingredients that they find in that <laughs> basket and say, well, at least I have something. And they yeah. do. It's amazing what they come up with. They come up with these beautiful dishes, and I, I, that's why I enjoy watching it, because I go into my own kitchen, which just has the basics in, and I think, I can do something with, with this, what I have in my kitchen. She goes in that kitchen and whips something up, and man, I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> I clean that kitchen as fast as I can, yeah. because the dessert round is coming. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but the point, I, I, when I watch that show, I've often thought about that throughout the difficulties and the waiting in our life. I've often thought, Lord, yeah. I feel like this is the basket of ingredients you've given me. The situation that I'm in, open it up and make the, the most yes. of it. Because I have, I have the Lord with me. You have his wisdom with you. You can do something Come with on. what you have. You can maximize it. Yes. So I would say to you this morning, like when you open up your basket of life, you're looking in the ingredients. God's saying, I'm going to give you the grace to make all this stuff that looks all mixed up and impossible to produce something lovely and creative. I'll give you the wisdom and the grace to do it. Amen. And he can do it. He can, by his grace, maximize what we've been given if we have the right attitude. Right? Come on now. That is yeah. so true. So contentment is like... You Why know, is I think it so important? It's a joy. It's an art. Yeah. It really is an art. Oh, it's like take good. a look at everything you have and, and ask God, how can I find something beautiful in yes. all of this? So that's really that's the essence really of it. Good. Yeah. So it's anyways. an art. It's an Let's art. start practicing it. That's for sure. Why is it important? It's because life is fleeting. Life is short. Life's a vapor. And there's nothing we can do to change that. But we can decide how to use our time, what to dwell on, what is our attitude. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we can't, we can't keep living for tomorrow, 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 then. I'm looking for the then. I'm looking for the then. And we miss what's in front of us today. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. it's, it's just wrong. It, listen, it, we cannot waste time like that. We can't waste time like that. We will miss out on what is right in front of us. And, you know, this is the day the Lord has made, right? This, this is the is day. The day. <laughs> you know, there was this yeah. Christian counselor that uh, was dealing with this gentleman who, who was always anxious, always. He was never happy. The guy was never happy. So the, the counselor pulls out a big piece of paper, and he draws a, like a quarter-sized uh, dark piece on a white piece of paper on a white yeah. piece of paper and he goes uh what do you see and he goes that's obvious i see a black dot he goes that's your problem that's your problem you you see the black dot there's a lot more white space around that than just that black dot yeah and now what we've got to do is understand us, yeah. we in our life have to start looking for the white that's there because the truth is, we'll be missing out on what is right in front of us. <laughs> because yeah. we'll go and focus on the things that aren't going well. And that's just like Pastor yeah. Mamie was saying. 
the foreboding thoughts. We'll start building that mountain that's right in front of us when all around us is things that we can be joyful for and our heart can be content. Yeah. Solomon's so, saying the same that's thing. That's right. He's saying the, basically the same thing. That, you know, we could, we could focus on the black dot all the time and miss all the other good that there is in our life. Mm -hmm. And life is fleeting, my friends. Yes, we know that. We need to look at the white space and maximize it. Because we said this last week, we say it again, that Jesus said, you will have trouble and tribulation and trials in this life. That's the black dot. But take courage, yes. he said. Be of good cheer. Why? Yeah. Well, there you go. Because I've overcome the world for you. Like, I can, I can make that black dot get smaller and smaller because you're looking at all the blessings yes. of knowing Christ right around it. And so, you know, if, again, when we say that, that scripture, this is, your, this is your lot in life. Well, it doesn't mean that we don't want to improve that lot. That's correct. Because, again, it could just be, this is my lot, that black dot. We can take all the white, we can take the good, the creativity and wisdom of God and the grace of God and make something good in our life. It's, but it does no good to just stare at the black dot. I wish I weren't, I wish that wasn't me. I wish these weren't my circumstances. Wishing yeah. I was somebody else. Wish I had somebody else's mm -hmm. gifts. Why was I born here? Why did I grow up in this family? We could go on and on about those things and it's not going to change. Come on. You know, you're never going to go forward with God if you're just always looking in the rearview mirror. It's like you can't, like, go forward if you're just looking back, looking back. Go forward. Look at Come the on. white space with God. God made you the way he wanted to make you. And God's not asking you to be someone you're not. Right. Make the most of the person that he's made you. Discover the gifts that he's put in you. That he's created you to be run the race that's set before you. Right. Then we begin to find the enjoyment and the contentment we were meant to find. Instead Come on. Of, well, I wish I was over there. Or I, I wish this happened to me like it happened to them. <laughs> I mean, life is fleeting. And again, it's that elusive then. If you wake up every day and it's like, well, this is another ho-hum day. Well, it'll be a ho-hum day. But you can make it with your attitude. It's like, hey, this is the day the Amen. Lord's made. If God's with us, who can be against us? Come on. Who has it better than us? Nobody. Now, I'll say that after Wait. my belly's full. <laughs> and we're meant to enjoy the yes. fruit of our labor. Come on. I mean, Thanksgiving's coming up. We, we talked to two people yesterday. We were out just doing things in, in stores. Then both people was interesting. Well, you're ready for Thanksgiving? And both of them were like, uh, yeah. uh. The one girl hardly even answered. She just kind of looked. We were buying Operation Christmas Child stuff, and yeah. Steve's trying to make this great conversation with her at the counter. Well, how are you? And, and, and have you been busy today? And are you ready for Thanksgiving? And she barely right. made eye contact. She barely answered, no. It was quiet, and I thought, wow, she's really down. And she, then she said, well, I have to work on Thanksgiving. And she was just quiet. And we said, well... You know, at least you'll be making money. It's like you have to look at the brighter side. Yeah. Find something to be thankful for in that. We're trying not, to help her. Trying to help her. <laughs> and the other person was basically the same way. I'm not ready. I'm so, people are, we're just all busy. This is the point about contentment. Yeah. That we need to enjoy, learn to enjoy the fruit of your labor. Come on. Sit down. Slow down. Yes. 
Enjoy the simplicity of just having a good meal with, with your family. It doesn't have to be some gigantic feast that Come you're on. sitting around. Just enjoy yes. what God has put before you. Some conversation, some laughter. It's like this is, we put this up on the screen. Love that. Enjoy the little things in life, for you'll one day look back and realize they were the big things. Boy, isn't that If you the live right long enough, that. you'll be shaking your head and going, you know, that's really true. Because I think maybe this is what Solomon's problem was when you're young, younger, and you feel like your life is all ahead of you. You have money, you have power, you're going to experience everything. And in the end, it's like, what? It's like a child looking at, look at this little daisy that came up here in between the wood. And mm -hmm. If you look close enough at the beauty of it, it's yes. like, even like it said, we read this last week, even the lilies of the field are not clothed, you know, like they're clothed more spectacularly rather than like Solomon in all of his glory. Yeah. And so God is looking at, like, find the beauty in the little thing, the, the lily, the flower that's growing. Look at it. Consider the wisdom of God that went into it. And then just enjoy the yes. fruit of your labor. Become content. Be grateful. Appreciate everything that you have now, as little as it may be. Right. I would encourage you, just slow down. We all need to slow down and find the joy in the little things. You know, it's, it, I want to go back to your lot in life. Don't we all have the temptation to peer over the fence to look at somebody else's lot in life? I wish I had that one. Well, you yeah. know, there's somebody, just like it says in verse 19 here, it says, every man who God has given riches and possessions, there's somebody who has the best lot on the island, has got all the cars, yeah. got all the bling, got all the trophies or whatever. But he still needs something. Do you know what it is? It's the power to enjoy that. Yeah. How many people do you know? Uh, I comes to mind right away is uh, that show that uh, these three people are, you know, they're pitching their, their, what's it called? Shark Tank. Oh, Shark Thank Tank. You. Yeah. You, you know, those guys sitting up there in those chairs, they're so busy they don't even know what they have. Yeah. They have no clue what they have. And this is what this is what God's saying. Hey, 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 I'm giving you all this, but you have to look for contentment so that you can enjoy them. Yeah. Because you can you can have everything and just still strive after the wind, just like what Solomon did. Yeah. He's teaching us. He's showing us. He's revealing these things to us. He doesn't want us to do the same thing. No matter how much you have or how little you have. Our point, God's point, is that He wants His people to be content. Mm -hmm. And if you're content, you'll have a peaceful heart. I suggest that you, you know, you, you read the book of Ecclesiastes. It's really, it's really something. It, if, because if you don't, you're going to go and end up missing the little things, which end up being big things. Yeah. Well, the God of all, and I suppose if you don't know the God who made all things, you're going to make things your God then. You make them your idols. Yes. If you don't, if we don't know the source of all the pleasure and the things in life, if, if we don't go to the source, 
and give thanks to him, then you're going to make the searching for the pleasure, searching for the experience, your God, the little G. Right. And it's always going to come up short. Always. God will be sure that it comes up short. <laughs> and that's, we can thank him for that. Because if you're going to keep trying to get, you know, out of money and sex and clothing and your image and your friends and your trophies, like something that you were never meant right. to give you, then, you know, it, and it can never give you, then it's like striving after the wind. We have to go to the God who gave it to us all, to the source. Like, mm -hmm. I love these quotes from John Piper. He said, we put two quotes up here from him. Uh, we weren't meant to be somebody, which is what often we're all searching for in life. Be noticed, be somebody, be something. But we were meant to know somebody, capital S. Come on. And the other is God is most glorified in yeah, us right. when we are most satisfied in him. And I'm telling you, I mean, very honestly, it's taken me personally a long time to find my way there, that to rest in the tr that truth that in Christ I have everything. Mm -hmm. I can, that's where I find fulfillment. And it's almost like God just lets you chase after this and chase after that and strive after this and strive after that. And, you know, he's almost, he's like, he's standing there in the background saying, it's really me that you yeah. want. <laughs> I'm the one who did all that. But yes. until you lay that all down and you want me more, then, then it becomes a chasing after the wind. And, you know, we are to connect our heart with the source of all life. That's where we find contentment. Think of Adam and Eve. Oh, man, here we go. That's they discover this the hard way. Here they are in the Garden of Eden. Eden means delights, the Garden of Delights, everything. There is a garden with, let's say, a thousand trees of yes and only one tree that was no. And which tree did they <laughs> so One that was no. I have to have that. I've got to have that. And as soon as they believed that God wasn't enough. Come on now. And what he had given them, their lot. Like, here's what I'm telling you, Adam and Eve. This is your lot. It wasn't enough. What happened? Did their lives get better? Or oh, did man. their lives begin to fall apart? No, they found themselves empty. You know, they found themselves disappointed, fearful, yeah. because they got their eyes off the true source. Come on. And so we need to learn the secret. But Paul learned. That Paul learned, yeah, Paul, Paul's, contentment. Paul's in prison. He discovered the secret, you know, it, this, and a secret, a secret isn't obvious, right? You know, it's not in the open. It, it, it isn't visible, but it's available. Yeah. That's really important. And Philippians 4.13, Paul writes this. He, he's in prison awaiting to be executed. Yeah. He says, I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether fed or hungry, living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah. And when we draw near to him like we are today in worship and in prayer, in, in gathering together, uh, we are opening our hearts up to understand 
the secret to draw near to him. Paul went through a lot to come to this conclusion. You read it in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, the, the torment that that man went through. But yet he was able to go and do exactly what we're asking you to do. All right. Why did he write in there, rejoice in the Lord always? Yes. And again, I say rejoice. He could look at his chains. He's sitting in prison writing that. Like, is this what, it, is this what serving God is all about? Like, <laughs> oh, why did I end up here in this dang, dark, dirty prison? Like, I thought you said, Lord. Abundant life. Yeah. How does this figure? It's your perspective. It's your perspective. It's your attitude. Because Paul said all of his learning, he was much like Solomon. Yes. A Pharisee of Pharisees. He, all of his learning and all of his prestige that he had and the image that he gained from being a Pharisee and, and looked up to and respected by all the people. He said, I, I count that all as dung. Yeah. For knowing Christ. Yes. And knowing the powers of his resurrection and even the fellowship with him in his suffering. You got to add that beautiful. That's beautiful. And that's part of the journey. See, I mean, that, that, that's part of it. We, we're never going to be free of suffering in this life. And so we have to look to Jesus and say, how'd you do it, Jesus? Talk to him. Mm-hmm. Make a relationship with the Lord. It must be personal if it's going to give you any power. It cannot just be words on a page and right. things that you've memorized in your mind. It's a start. But he wants a, he wants a talking relationship. He wants you to say these things to him. Lord, you know, help me to be content. I don't want to chase after all these things Teach. that the world is saying to chase after. Help me to be grateful. Talk to him. This is not... Christianity is not a religion of just a bunch of works that God says, check off, check off, you did this good. It's a relationship with a Savior who loves you, who died for you, to give you eternal life. And so let's just, we'll close here. Let's just turn our eyes to Jesus. Let's just think about the things that the Holy Spirit has been showing us today. And last week. You know, contentment comes when we truly believe that when we see who we are in Christ and what we've been given, that big eternal perspective, everything starts to fit into place. It makes sense. Because this life is not always going to be fair. That's right. And if we want everything to add up to fairness, you will be most disappointed. What they did to Jesus wasn't fair, was it? But it turned out good for him, didn't it? When he trusted, he said, into your hands I commit my spirit, Father. And that's what we need to do in the midst of our situations. Yes. Quit staring at that black dot. Look at all the light around it, the light of Christ. Yes. Because to know him is to draw upon his strength, to know him that way. Trust him. Just allow yourself to trust him. That's all that it takes. And be thankful and grateful for what he's given you, what he's done for us. He died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sin and my sin, the world's sin, so that we could be forgiven and have eternal life in him forever and ever. Yes. And when we reach that day, we'll understand things more clearly. Yes. Some things we have to just put on a shelf now and go, I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't like it. But the day will come when we will see him face to face and it'll all be made clear. And until then, knowing Jesus is enough. 
knowing him, knowing he's the God of all justice, he will make things right. So let's turn our eyes. We turn our eyes to you, Jesus. You're the source of our life. We put our full trust in you, Lord. We do rely on your strength, yet not I like that song, but Christ who lives in me. So we're going to make the most. Or I should say, are you going to make the most of the precious life you've been given? Because these are things between you and the Lord you must talk about. Tell him, I want to make the most of the life you've given me. Help me, Holy Spirit. See where I'm going in circles and striving after the wind and grasping after things that if, if then, if then. Forgive me, Lord, for not finding a great, just having a grateful heart right where I'm at. Help us, Holy Spirit, to learn to be quiet in our soul. To be still and know that you're God, that you love us, you're for us. You're making a way for us if we will just trust you. Let's come to the Thanksgiving table this year and just pause and enjoy and be grateful for the simple things that we have in our life and all that we've been given. extravagant gift of eternal life that can only be obtained through Jesus Christ. He shed his blood on that cross. He died and was buried. Third day he rose again from the dead. Defeating death, hell, and the grave. Putting away the sin of the world. But it's a personal thing. It's you calling on him so that that sacrifice he made would remove your sin debt. And because of his resurrection, new life will come into you. You'll be born of his spirit. You'll be a child of the living God. Is there anyone here today that has not given their life to Jesus or even wants to rededicate their life to Jesus? ask you to raise your hand so that I can see it and we'll say a prayer. A simple prayer. Maybe sit right where you are and you say that prayer. We're talking about a personal relationship. Pastor Mamie made that clear. Go ahead. Pour your heart out to him right now. I want to thank you, Jesus, for what you've given to us. Help us to maximize the moment. Help us to see the joy in the little things.